welcome to Wealth Matters, where we discuss the opportunities and challenges of preserving and managing wealth. This show is presented to you by Gaslowitz Frankel, a law firm dedicated to resolving disputes involving your wealth, whether it be through your will, your trust, your business, or your investment. For news, pictures, and tips, go to our new website at gaslowitzfrankel.com or follow us on Twitter at Estate Dispute. Our show's hashtag is Wealth Matters. Your hosts today are Craig Frankel, Robert Port, and Millie Bombush, and we're talking about ethical wills and value letters. What is your legacy other than money? Let's start with you, Craig. So we have kind of a roundtable today. We talk on this show um, about money, and I want to read you uh, a will that somebody wrote a while back. Somewhere among these papers is a will made out by my lawyer. Its purpose is to dispose of any material things which I may possess at the time of my departure from this world to the unknown adventures beyond. I hope its terms will cause no ill will among you. It seemed sensible when I made it. After all, it refers only to material things, which we enjoy only temporarily. I am more concerned with having you inherit something that is vastly more important. What we're talking about is that people in our business, Gasowitz Frankel, we see a lot of disputes. And ultimately, they may relate to money or how it's transferred or how the businesses transfer or who controls it. But many times, it relates to hurt feelings. And a long time ago, both in the Hebrew Bible and the Christian Bible and, and through uh, other religious kind of sources, People talked about the idea of what can I leave for my family that isn't just money. And these are called ethical wills or value letters. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. Um, I thought we might start off with um, why somebody would want to do that. Robert? Well, it, it seems to me, having looked at various materials that, that you put together, Craig, to prepare for this, the concept, I think, is to try and present to successive generations your thoughts on life, how you want to be remembered in ways other than just a material uh, gifting. And having read some of these, such as the one you just read and others, it, it occurred to me that these are often very uh, personal and thoughtful things that perhaps people actually did not get a chance to say during their lives uh, because of the press of business or because it's just very difficult sometimes to say these things face-to-face -to, -face to loved ones. And instead, they took the opportunity to very thoughtfully put down what they wanted to convey in terms of their thoughts about life, religious tradition, family tradition, family history, so that those coming after them might have something other than material possessions to remember them by. If you think it's hard for our parents' generation to talk about how their money is going to be left, it's even harder for them to talk about anything that's emotional, that, that I care about you or in this certain way. And it kind of leaves us uh, wanting us to understand why they made decisions at different times in their lives. And when we have disputes at our law firm, disputes about estates, so often we see that money becomes a proxy for love or the uh, divvying up of various 
personal property items, sentimental items, or family heirlooms, that sometimes is interpreted as a proxy for love. You know, mom gave me this painting, so she must have loved me more. Uh, and on the other side, mom didn't give me this painting. Why? You know, why did she give it to someone else? So a chance to write an ethical will to explain your love for your children or what you value um, can be really helpful. It might help to avert some of those hurt feelings. I had a conversation with my middle son who's going off to college tomorrow. He was talking about what happens if I die or mom dies, you know, what happens in their lives and who takes care of them. And I said, don't worry about it. There's plenty of insurance. And he says, oh, you better sleep with one of your eyes open. And I said, well, you know, son, there's this concept that if you kill your own father, you can't inherit from him. And he looks at me kind of through the side of his eyes and says, what makes you think I'm going to get caught? Now, (laughs) some people would say that's a bad comment. To me, I'm saying, yes, humor has made it to the next generation by hook or crook. But that is kind of the way my family talks, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit. And we like that. That's something that's being passed on kind of unintentionally. But there are ways to pass things on intentionally. So that conversation led us to a more serious conversation talking about what our responsibilities are. One of the things he and I talked about was that in my family growing up and and being a a a a second or third generation coming to the United States, education was one of the most important things to us. And I told him that in my wills, what he'll see is money left over if we haven't spent it all on education for his children, if he has any, and that's it. Everything else goes to charity. And we were talking about that, but that too is an ethical will saying what I would want to do and why I'm doing it so that when they get what they see in a will, their expectation may be different than the reality. And so sometimes you can do an ethical will in a lot of ways. I think the hard part for people is to talk about how to do it. So, Millie, you have any ideas how somebody should start doing an ethical will? Well, I I think the first thing you need to do is, of course, give a little thought. Um, This probably isn't something that you sit down and say, you know what, today I'm going to check this off my to-do list. I'm going to write the ethical will. Uh, Give me half an hour and put me in front of my laptop and I'll be done. Um, I think this is something that deserves serious consideration and some time. But generally, the format that we have seen and that we're looking for is something in the form of a letter, something that may be a page or two uh, or four or five. Um, I've read many memoirs that are essentially in large part ethical wills, but we all don't have to aim for something that's book length. Um, just a page or two about what you think is important to you. Is there any examples that you can think of that people that you've read or heard um, that look and sound like an ethical will, but may not have been intended to be one? Well, in, in the materials I've looked at to, to prepare for this show, there, um, I believe you included, Craig, something written by George Washington, I think, to a nephew that gave some very interesting thoughts about George Washington's view of life and what to do and what not to do and how to hold friendships together and how to be careful, as I recall, about who you take on his friends and, and avoid hangers honors and 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 in addition although maybe it wasn't intended this way some people look at steve jobs uh, commencement address i believe to stanford as an ethical will and it's very interesting because he talks about 
three events in his life that made all the difference to him. One was quitting college. One was getting fired from Apple, which he describes as one of the best things that ever happened to him. And interestingly enough, the third thing was death because this was a point at which he had been diagnosed and thought he had been cured of so, cancer. So this was clearly said pre-death? Absolutely. Okay, That's just right. checking. That's right, at the commencement address. <laughs> um, but it, it imparted to the graduates some very, uh, I thought, thoughtful ideas about living and life and maybe going against the grain. And I believe it ends with the suggestion to uh, stay hungry, do things that are different and that matter, as opposed to just sort of towing the line and accepting what, what folks tell you. And uh, I know from other readings that that's been a very uh, powerful and popular commencement address that uh, folks often see on on YouTube and other things like that. Let's another, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say another example that might be easy also to find on the internet is the letter that President Obama wrote to his daughters Malia and Sasha just before they entered the White House, and he was kind of explaining why he had put them through the grueling campaign that he did. And he talked about, you know, his love for this country and how one of his goals is to make sure that all children have the opportunities that his daughters do to go to good schools. And he talked about um, his mother and grandmother reading to him from the Declaration of Independence um, and the values that he saw in there valuing that so much and how he wanted to help this country remain as good as it is and to help this country remain full of opportunity and equality. For all do, people. Do you think maybe we should ask the kids today whether they agree with what their dad said eight years ago, whether this was, in fact, a positive experience for them? Let's not answer that. Let's not answer that. Today. We are seeing, though, in ethical wills that we see from people that aren't our family, some really, really good morals. So I think back to George Washington. And if we remember from our elementary school education, George Washington had no children. He's looking at his nephew and saying, what did it be? The actual letter is essentially 10 or 15 ideas on how to be a gentleman. And one of the things he points out, which I think is tremendously relevant today for us as we face a what I would refer to as a very unique election, is who you associate with and how you reflect upon them both publicly and privately is in fact a reflection on yourself. And that's pretty powerful. I'm not sure he meant it for anybody but his nephew. But as we read this, and I recall reading this in like seventh grade in elementary school and thinking it was dumb, but when I came back upon it, I said, gosh, this is kind of interesting. These are the kinds of things that we can look at. Now, does it have to be a letter? Could it be anything else? It could be anything else. You could have leave a video or an audio recording. Um, it can be any anything that you, if you want to communicate something to your, your children and your family, think about how they will receive it and what they will listen to. You know, if you really want to communicate something for your kids, you should probably do a YouTube video. Or, or I was going to say, if you can f put it all into 140 characters for a uh, tweet. Tweet it out. Well, actually, you could do that. But remember, all these medium that we're, media that we're talking about as if they're here forever, that's actually one of the concerns we have or should have regarding ethical wills is that the YouTube media 
or the you know jump drive that doesn't exist anymore or Twitter or whatever it is, these media are very short-lived. And so if you're going to think about something other than writing, you might want to figure out how can I preserve this in a way that it can go forward. I mean, just look the difference five years ago from where you kept your pictures. And now that they're kept, I don't even know what the cloud is, but kept at the cloud and how you access them. We're going to see different things. Um, Millie, you had said something, you know, don't just sit down and write, you know, maybe give it some thought. What's wrong with just sitting down and writing and seeing what comes out? There's nothing wrong with that, except I think if you want to be very thoughtful about it, you might not be finished in 20 minutes or half an hour. You might want to sit down and just write and see what comes out and then put it aside a little bit or come back to it. I think it just, if you're talking about your life's values, even simpler questions to help you hone in on what's important to you, like what was the best day of my life? What was the worst day of my life? Um, things like that. It, it needs more than a little bit of thought. It's something you might want to consider. You may even, some families will discuss this among themselves. Um, but if you just want to do it privately and sort of have it done, I think it's like anything. You write a first draft and you put it aside for a bit and then you come back and edit. But you write the first draft. Yes. It's kind of like my college uh, uh, children who wait to write the first draft till, oh, let's say the morning it's due. Not a good idea. There will be grammatical mistakes. You don't want to leave that legacy. And then ask dad to proof it as happened in my house. (laughs) Well, one of the things I think also ought to be considered is being thoughtful about this because you don't want to be in a position where you're hectoring somebody from the grave. I call that reaching out from the grave and slapping them. Exactly. And, and a, a reason to write and think and go back is to make sure that, that it accomplishes the purposes of being uh, an ethical will as opposed to something else. You're listening to Wealth Matters, the radio show where we discuss the opportunities and challenges of preserving and managing wealth. We are your hosts, Craig Frankel, Robert Port, and Millie Bombush from the fiduciary litigation law firm of Gaslowitz Frankel. We're talking about ethical wills and value letters. What is your legacy other than money? Millie mentioned ago that you may want to talk about it, and I actually think this is a great idea. Most families that are now acquiring wealth or, or trying to retain wealth and spread it to the other families and to their future generations and to charities often will sit down together or with a facilitator and try to talk about their family mission statement, what they want as their family. Um, I want to tell our listeners this is, in fact, an ethical will, talking about what you care about. And I think as as people are earning money and as lives get busier and busier, sometimes taking a step back and just saying, why am I doing all of this is kind of important. And the reason I point that out is there is no right way to do an ethical will. So before we talk about a little bit about how one does an ethical will, let's just think about for a minute and maybe talk about when one should do an ethical will. So, so when should one do an ethical will, Robert? I don't know if there's any right time, but as, as I've been thinking about this topic, I think it needs to come at a point in your life where you are 
mature enough to be self-reflective, because this is really, I think, what we're talking about in many ways is putting your own thoughts about what's important to you, what your values are, um, you know, what's guided you, maybe trying to pass on lessons from mistakes or, or experiences you've had, and to be mature enough to reflect on that, hopefully in a positive way, so that you can convey again, to, to your family, to future generations, what is important to you. And uh, all of us have children, and we know that there are many times where you just want to shake them and say, you know, do it this way. I've been there because you know, I know it should be done this way. And it doesn't always happen that way. But if you can do so in, in a more um, genteel, if you will, manner, in a way that imparts uh, thoughts that are not, again, slapping them from the grave or hectoring them to do this, that, and other thing, I think you may be able to convey the essence of, of what you would like to pass on. I don't think that writing the ethical will also has to be a one-time affair. Excellent point. Um, as, as Craig and I had discussed, when my children were small, and they're now in their late 20s and 30s, oh my goodness. She had um, them as teens. Yes, I was 12. Um, when my children were small, there were, of course, many times when their father and I would travel together for his business. And I was always mildly terrified about leaving them alone and what if the plane crashed, that kind of thing. And almost always, I would write a letter to my children um, just in case I didn't come back. And I would be weeping, you know, and, and writing this thing. Um, and then I would come back from the trip and generally I ripped it up and threw it away um, because I didn't want them to find it and I didn't want them to think, mom thought she was going to die. But, uh, actually, so, but I, I probably should have saved those. It might have been interesting to look at. But I did that several times over the course of their childhood. And um, I sort of remembered what I said. And it, it changes a little bit. Your core values, we hope, don't change once you become an adult, but maybe the way you express them and maybe nuances about, you know, your experiences in life, maybe those things will change. So certainly if you write an ethical will today, you, you might want to look back at it in five or 10 years and say, oh, I, let me revise this a little bit or let me add to it a little bit. Perspective changes though. When we were, when I go back and look at my grandparents and look at the box of letters or whatever it is that we've seen, I get to see what they were thinking at different times in their lives. Many of our grandparents fought in wars or they were separate for times in their lives and they couldn't afford the telephone. So they would write letters. Letters are a wonderful way to see what somebody was thinking at a certain time in their lives. We don't have that anymore. Um, I'm not even sure we can keep our emails. Every time I'm in a lawsuit, I try to get emails. The answer is, oh, I changed my server. I lost it. But emails are a different flavor. So writing letters when your child is two and then later at high school graduation and later at their wedding or some horrible event or life-changing event, it might be very interesting for your children and grandchildren, hopefully, you know, 20, 30, 50, 60, 80 years later to see what you were thinking then. And what you just described is your biggest concern was not being there if you were away. It wasn't your biggest concern. What would they be like or how to change, or at least it doesn't sound like that. My guess is as they matured and you got to know them better and you got to see yourself and you didn't go away forever is that you're now worried about different things. Yes. And that's kind of fun. That's kind of fun to see what you're going to do. 
Well, absolutely. I mean, one would hope that as as we move through life, we mature, we we get some wisdom, hopefully, and and uh, the desire to pass that on, and and how you articulate that changes over time. I know I'm a very different person than I was ten years ago, and I suspect. And we're thankful for that. Yes, so am I. And, so so is my missus um and and the uh and i'm sure i'll be very different 10 years from now if i'm still here and and so as you progress again there's no right time or wrong time to do this but uh, i come back to my thought that it it's something that's important as uh, being self-reflective for yourself. And I suspect many of the writers of, of Ethical Wills actually find it a very uh, cathartic and helpful experience for themselves to articulate this. I actually think that's a, an excellent point because if you write what you think is important and you do it early enough, now you can reflect upon, am I living that life? And if you're not, change. It's a wonderful opportunity to be both self-reflective, but also self-critical in a way that can pass on. I want to bring this, though, to a little bit more um, pedestrian or maybe more a little mercurial. Many of our clients that we see, many of the disputes deal with how do I pass on my financial legacy? And there is a trend now to the creation of foundations to continue on to what I would refer to as a dynasty will where a dynasty trust that will last for hundreds of years, or so we dealing with the passing on of the business. Everybody wants a successful business or a trust that's in existence for either charitable or family reasons to generate money. But sometimes we have to ask how, what kind of business do we want to be? What kind of citizen in the community? And we have an expectation that our children or grandchildren know what we were like. But the problem is we may be wrong. And the other problem is down the generations, they may not know us. And so, so seeing. So an ethical will would tie very closely, presumably to a mission statement for a trust or a foundation. But the mission statement, I think, would be much less personal, but still ought to convey the benefactor's thoughts and hopes and ideas of how their material assets are going to be used. I went to a funeral recently of a, of a very great Atlanta uh, benefactor, gave a lot of money and time to charity. He started his business very interesting. His dad died while he was in high school, and so he could not go to college. He had to go run the family business, and he ran it apparently very well. And throughout his life, he would write letters to his children telling him what he thought. They kept copies. Hmm. And at his funeral, he had given direction to the rabbi that there could not be a eulogy. He did not want that. He just wanted to have it a positive event. And so the rabbi collected some of those letters and read them. And as you reflect over what this man did in his life, what he was doing and when he, what he told his daughters he was doing at the time, they were, in fact, beautiful ethical wills or value letters that told us more about how this man ran his business and his life. And one of the things he did was he gave money to charities that made a difference all without saying. And I, I think that the point of that is in part is that 
it's good to have an ethical will maybe to explain the point of your family foundation or, or charitable trust, but you can also use that for your business as well. You don't have to have an organization or a vehicle set up for charitable purposes, but an ethical will can explain how you run your family business, You know how maybe your father started it or your grandfather started it, um, and what kinds of values you hope to um, you know, share with your employees, um, what kind of work you want to do, um, so it doesn't have to be strictly for charitable purposes. And how you run a business is is very interesting. Some are being run to grow. Some are being run to provide for the family and that's it. And some are just how you go about doing business. And and you can give a flavor that's not always known. I'm I've unfortunately at my age of life with my parents the same age as as in their 80s, I go to a lot of funerals. And I hear what people did in their lives, and I'm always amazed. Wow, I didn't know that. And what amazes me even more is often the family didn't even know that. I didn't know that he was the one who whatever. And I'm saying to myself, I sure wish that family had known that while their mom was alive. So they could have reflected as to how that impacted them, those choices their mother made while they were living. Let, let's talk about timing. So we talked about timing a little bit and said anytime is a good time. I have a simple suggestion. Every life event. It can be anything. It could be the first day of kindergarten. It could be the first time you saw a movie together. It could be the first joke. It could be a wedding. It could be your first family vacation. It could be, as we as in my lifetime, given the age of my children, the first time they drove alone um, where we were praying they'd actually get home. Um, and we were praying there was no one else on the roads. But really, there's no right time. And we keep calling, calling them ethical wills because that's kind of the formal name. But that makes it sound really important. And though it is, I'm going to suggest we use a different phrase, something like a value letter. You could do a value letter anytime you want. So let's talk about if you really did sit down, what could you do to do your ethical will? First, let me say, and then we'll talk about some techniques. One of the ways to do it is to go to the Internet to type in the phrase value letter or ethical will, and you will see lots of manuals come up as to how to do it. And they'll be like worksheets or things that can help you. So that is certainly one way to do it is to sit at the internet and just sit at your computer. Um, what are some other ways? Uh, well, I, I think you can start by just saying who you're writing it to, sort of help you, you know, frame this. Are you writing it to your children? Are you writing it to... Uh, if you don't have children, are you writing it to extended family? Are you writing it to a couple of dear friends? I mean, you know, let's think about your target audience. Who, who are you writing this to? And I think um, that's and that great. might help you get going. So you could sit and list kind of who you'd want to read this if you were king or queen. I think another thing to do is just kind of choose topics. So start off and say, what in my past? And I, I kind of break this down into three categories: themes from the past, themes from the present and themes for the future. So what could we talk about in just kind of those three categories and just write some things? So let's talk a little bit about themes from the past. What types of things would be important or may be important to our listeners if they were going to shockingly try to write an ethical will tonight? Well, if, if you're going to look at themes from the past, I mean, obviously, if you know about your family history, for example, I've done a little research and concluded that my paternal side of the family came over from 
Russia in 1910 or so. And according to the Ellis Island, Ellis Island Manifest, my great-great-grandfather had either 12 or $15 when he came to the States. It's hard to tell from the writing there. Um, and I never met him, but one can sort of spin out from that uh, what happened subsequently. And if you're into the genealogical kind of things, you can find out through census data where they were. And, and so, how did he get dollars? Ignore that it's 12 or $15. How did he get dollars at all when... I don't know what the currency was back in the day, but he came with rubles or yeah, silver have, right, or, have, you know, a, a gold coin. I have no no clue. They left eastern Russia, um, and I don't know whether they had a money changer there at Ellis Island or somehow people had dollars. But, you know, th those are one of the things, again, to reflect on. And, you know, that $15 and whatever... Um, energy and and wisdom and grit he had uh has brought at least uh, me and the rest of my family where we are today and why did he do it why did he take that risk with only 12 or 15 dollars in his pocket and what did he expect to happen he obviously succeeded at least to to create a family here now that he's here what was he what did he succeed at what were the things that helped him along the way Right. Those are all questions. Unfortunately, I don't I don't know the answer to many of those. But, uh, you know, one one can can guess if you look at your history around that time in Russia, it was, uh, um, I guess, before World War One and they were having pogroms and whatnot. So I suspect there was some mostly safety issues to leave. Um, but in terms of getting back to the ethical will, so I've, I've thought a lot about trying to convey to my children that type of history and what I know about my, my mother and father uh, as Depression-era children and how they came forward and, and thinking about my own history and what lessons, again, without, without hectoring or wagging your finger at, at your children, trying to give some part of uh, where we've come from. Because I, I, there's a quote or saying that, that resonates with me, which is, you know, if you don't know where you've come from, you may not know where you're going. And I think some of that is very important in terms of getting your own uh, traditions and thoughts about what is in your background, DNA and otherwise, that has made you who you are. And we talked about Steve Jobs. He did kind of this. He talked about what I would refer to as themes from his past. He said three life events that changed him. So he's thinking about lessons learned, and they weren't always positive lessons learned. And one thing um, that we can talk about in ethical wills is choices we've made. Sometimes in hindsight, not the right choice. Sometimes in hindsight, the right choice but maybe our children didn't understand it. Well, and this may be a time um, to talk about any you know, big life regrets, whether regret that you chose a certain path or regret that you missed an opportunity. Um, maybe you weren't gutsy enough to just you know, leave the current position you had and go off and start your own company and you've always wanted to and you, know, you always had this great idea in the back of your head and now you're 65 or 75 years old and you kind of regret that that didn't happen. Um, and you want to pass on to your children, the lesson is maybe don't be afraid, just do it. 
And we, oh. we always hear the phrase from our children who, who roll their eyes. You tell them what they're supposed to do, and they're thinking in their head, well, why didn't he do it? Um, and, and they're not listening anyway, of course. So, But sometimes you look at the life that you perceive your mom or dad or sister or brother had, and it's not the life that they actually had or wanted. It's all perception. Sometimes knowing what it was that changed your minds. Um, Millie, you had talked about how you say the to who. And there's one way to start an ethical will that I, I read about um, by Barry Baines, who's written a wonderful book on ethical wills. One way to do it is to start the letter by addressing it. To whom is the letter going? To my unborn children, to my family and friends who I'm leaving, to my children, to my family, to my coworkers, to my fellow citizens. Once you start to say what it, who it is you're talking to, you really can start to think about what it is that you'd want to say. So we talked about themes from the past a little bit. What about themes from the present? What would you say about the present that might be helpful to yourself, to others? I think you'd be talking about, uh, at least I would be saying, you know, I'm sitting here now. And the reason I'm writing this is because I, I love my children. Um, I think that they understand me. I think that we've had lots of deep conversations, but these are the things I want to make sure that they remember. As I sit here now, this is what's important to me. As I sit here now, this is what I value. Um, and as I sit here now, this is you know what I trust. I, I, I think about the ethical wills and, and value letters that I've written and one thing I think, you talked about regrets. One thing that I, I kind of think would be an, an interesting place or thing to put in a, in a value letter is apologies. I wish I had done this for you or not, and I'm sorry. Or I wish I could have done this, but here's why I didn't. And upon reflection, that was a mistake. I, I, I set my priorities wrong or whatever it might be. This is a great place to explain, apologize, and then say, and here's what I wish you could do under those circumstances. Is, is that something y'all see as appropriate? Uh, I think that's very appropriate, particularly for those who can't, unfortunately, or for whatever reason, can't bring themselves to do that during life. You know, you're sort of making things right, uh, which uh, hopefully would be very appreciated uh, by, the, by the recipients, although I can imagine some potential regret in not being able to explore that further with the writer. One other thing I'd, I'd like to suggest and mention is expressions of gratitude. And, and that's not necessarily, you know, I'm happy that I've got the biggest house on the block or the coolest car or the nicest vacation home, but gratitude about little things. And in reading some about psychology and what makes people happy and what, what helps people feel good from day to day is to think about what they're grateful for, even if it's very small things, you know, even if it's, you know, the traffic getting here today was not miserable. I'm grateful for that. I was grateful that my teenage son has a sarcastic sense of humor. There you go. So it doesn't have to be grateful for big, life-changing events, but little things throughout the day, because as we all know, as, as you get older, you realize that life has its ups and downs. You have your regrets, you have your successes. I tend to view life along a bell curve, with most of it happening sort of in the middle. 
But on each end, you have either really fabulous things or what statisticians call black swans, really horrible events. And none of us can avoid the black swans, the injuries, death, the financial losses, broken relationships, whatever it may be. But hopefully most of us don't live our lives always in black swan events and we we live our lives in the middle and in the middle there are a lot of things to be grateful for that i think just in terms of sort of feeling good about ourselves and coming back to the ethical will passing on to others that it's wise and thoughtful to be grateful about small events you know the fact that someone remembers your birthday or buys you a present for no reason things like that so let's talk a little bit about some of the mechanics. So on NPR, there's a thing called This I Believe, and there's the Story Core. It's called Story Core? Yes. Yeah. Story Core is an ethical will. What we may not realize, there's one in Atlanta, by the way, is that you actually have a facilitator before you go in helping you, but the format is questions, and typically between family members. That is a true ethical will, and that is one way, I think, particularly for our current aging population, my parents' generation, we're maybe sitting down with a family member and just asking questions and writing the answers down. There are also professionals, interviewers, folklore, all quite affordable college professors, and sit down, you know, where you say, what is your biggest regret? What did you learn the most from high school? Who was your favorite teacher? Who were your friends? Why are you, are you still friends with them and why? I marvel sometimes my dad, who's 85 years old, plays poker with his high school youth group friends, those that are still alive. That's they didn't fabulous. do it for 50 years. But when they got older, they decided they missed each other. And gosh, that was kind of a, an interesting thing for me. So we're getting towards the end. Um, I, I also want to remind people it's okay just to jot things down. So if you put on scraps of paper and you have little vignettes, this is a funny story, put it in a box, put it in a tin, put it on your digital, and maybe later on put it together. But if not, you'll hear a bunch of fun stories. So I'm going to put you on the spot now, however, as we near the end of our show. And I've talked about ethical wills in a bunch of places, and I have this thing I do um, where I say, we've got 10 minutes. I hand out a blank piece of paper. I put on the screen questions you can answer or themes, and I say, you got 10 minutes, go. And I did it recently to a group of about 500 people, and it was fascinating to watch. First thing was, after I actually did that, I, I thought everyone was with me for a while, a third of everyone in the room actually to my face got up and left. Just got up and left when I handed out the paper. Um, the other two thirds kind of looked at it and I don't know what they did, but what I found the most amazing was at the end of the conference, about 20 people came up to me and showed me their 10-minute will. They were rather amazing. And now, that was several years ago, I go back and I talk to some people and I say, well, did you do it? Did you improve it? Some did, some didn't, but a lot did, and it was kind of cool. So I want your 10 minutes. So each of you tell me, if you were doing an ethical will, and I'm going to send this to your children, what is the one thing you would want to tell your children no matter how you wrote it or what you did, it doesn't have to be terribly personally, but you got a one sentence, your tweet, ethical will. Millie? Uh, well, what, what I hope I would be able to say is gratitude to my children for how well they took care of me in my dotage. 
<laughs> I hope that's what will come out. Um, but I, I just think I, I would like to say to them that they're great. Um, and I've had fun with them. And maybe I'm sorry I asked them to clean their rooms so often when they were still living at home. But apart from that, I have truly appreciated the opportunity to get to know them um, as adults and appreciated the time they spent with their mom. So, and that made me feel very happy and very fulfilled. And I hope that they can have that same experience with their children to appreciate them as kids, but really, really and truly enjoy their company as adults and think of them as good people and people I would choose to be friends with if they were not my children. Wow, you could write an ethical will in one minute. Yes, I'm really good. Robert, you're on the spot. It's being recorded. I, I am on the spot. I'll, I'll say what Millie said. That was great. <laughs> what she said. Hard, yeah, what she said. A hard act to follow. You know, I, again, it, it is something, as we talked about earlier, where you want to sit down and think thoughtfully, maybe in a number of sessions. How does one think not thoughtfully? About... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll get that soon enough, uh, what, what you want to convey. I, I think I would like to convey my thoughts about how to be a, a, a person that, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that, is, that is viewed by others as having a sense of values and ethics and calls them as they see them. Um, along with whatever family traditions I can pass on. And I fully appreciate that my sensitivity and beliefs as to some of those issues will be very different than my children's and my eventual grandchildren. But I would like them to understand what made me tick. And, and that's why, actually why I do the things I do. <clears throat> and, and for example, this, this is a sort of silly personal observation, but my, my children will tell you that when we go to the beach or go to a walk, I will pick up litter along the way. They say, oh, dad, you drive me crazy. Why do you do that? Uh, even some of my friends tell me, well, you know, there are people who do that. And, and I, my thought is, um, A, it makes me feel better. And B, and this sounds a little corny, but, um, you know, it makes the world a better place. And if everybody picked up the can or the, you know, plastic bottle they see along the way, uh, the, the world would be a better place. And it's a sort of silly observation to make, but I hope I can convey thoughts like that again about what makes me tick so they understand why their dad, their grandfather did the things he did. And that's actually kind of a nice way of ending. So when you talk about an ethical will, one way to think about it is if you're trying to tell your children or whomever what you would like them to be, wouldn't it be nice to be thinking if somebody gave my eulogy, is that the way they would describe me? Because that is, weirdly enough, an ethical will. But if you can think how you want your values to pass on, and then you exhibit them in life. What a true legacy. And with that, we are wrapping up our show. And I want to thank everyone for listening to Wealth Matters, where we discuss the opportunities and challenges of preserving and managing wealth, whether it be directly or through ethical wills. For more information about Gastowitz Frankel, please go to our website at gastowitzfrankel.com. 
And remember to follow us on Twitter at Estate Dispute and use our show's hashtag, Wealth Matters. Your hosts today were three partners from the fiduciary law firm of Gasowitz Frankel, Craig Frankel, Robert Port, and Millie Bombush. Please join us every fourth Wednesday, Wednesday of the month at 8.30 a.m. here at Wealth Matters on Business Radio X. Mm-hmm.